Hey fam, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you about it. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast just in one place. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are listening to The Black Landscape with Andrea Spearman, where Black excellence is always trending. Today, we welcome Andre Spearman, longtime Oakland resident, social and economic justice warrior, veteran in labor unionizing, naval veteran, and my father. I think that last one is the most important. (laughs) Welcome, Andre. Thank you, Andrea Spearman. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on today. How are you feeling? I'm good. So, Mr. Spearman, in my lifetime, you spent a lot of time working with labor unions. If you could please explain to the audience, you know, like what are labor unions and how are they connected to our city of Oakland? Um, Well, I've spent most of my time working for a public sector union. So um, labor unions are organizations, nonprofit organizations formed by workers. And their mission is to improve the lives of the workers and also do community engagement. And so um, they are democratically ran organizations and they are part of basically equalizing power when it comes to economic and social justice. So how did you start in this work? Well, um, I started doing this work as a result of being uh, an employee in the city of Berkeley back in uh, 1988. Uh, The city city of Berkeley's office of the city clerk is where I worked um, in the customer service in the front of the office. Uh, And that particular employer was unionized at the time the union was called Service Employees International Union, Local 790. Uh, And so I was uh, working at the front counter and was approached by my coworker who was very active in the union. Uh, Of course, I had no idea what the union was about. I actually was um, very unfamiliar with labor unions. So in Mississippi, you don't hear about too many unions there. It's a right to work state, which means that it makes it difficult for unions to form and, and create uh, what the legislators there make sure of it, right? The old history of slavery and keeping people down as part of their sort of mantra, if you will. So my coworker approached me and told me about the organizations. He said, well, you, you're required to join the union. You're paying until you might as well be active. And let me just share with you what it is that we do and how we maintain this contract that you have. So she walked me through some of the benefits and uh, health and welfare benefits from dental care to medical. She said, this is a result of people struggling with this employer uh, to have these benefits. So our mission is to maintain and expand upon this so that the next generation of people have something uh, to look forward to. So that's how I got started. She, her name is Dolores, right? Uh, Dolores recruited me she said, oh, shout out to Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> she said, oh, I just want you to come to this meeting. Just observe. Check it out. 
you know, just get a sense, take notes or whatever. So she sort of eased me into it. And then after a while, um, I said, wow, this is interesting. So next thing you know, she was like, you should become a steward, which is in the union's world is an active uh, leader whose mission it is to maintain the rights that are in the contract. So that's how I started. That was back in 1988. Um, and then as a result of that, um, I had an experience at the workplace where I needed to have the union and she was there for me. So after having gone through that experience, it sort of left an impression in my mind. I think I better stay active in this group. They're, they're onto something here. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, shout out to Dolores. Hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> We thank you for, you know, stepping in and making that known and making somebody aware of the things that's happening in their workplace and providing that service and that knowledge to you. So how has the world of unions kind of changed? How has the landscape changed since you've been in this work from, like you said, the 80s and 90s? Well, historically, you think about unions and the connection to the middle class, working families, being an advocate for working families in the middle class. So the unions were much more, America was much more unionized, right, in the 1940s and the 50s, um, where you had a high level of folks in the union. And you had middle class folks who were able to have a job and live their so-called American dream, right, the house and your kids to college, et cetera. But because of the the uh, conservative pressure uh, coming from those who feared unions because unions are the balance of power between the employer, you know, and employees and employees form a union to have a voice at the job. So mm-hmm. the the level of people in the union went down. Public sector unions represented probably in the 40s and the 50s, uh, probably, you know, 30, 40, 50, some places, maybe 60 percent of the workplaces and the change in the industrial you know, way things are done in the United States. Eventually, a lot of public sector unions became smaller. Today, they're even smaller. And there was a huge court decision called the Janus decision, which basically took away the ability uh, for unions to maintain the union dues for public sector workers uh, and said, now you don't have to join anymore. You can just get all the benefits, all these freedoms without having to contribute anything towards the growth in the lifeblood of the union. And so that created a downward spiral in terms of uh, pressure pressure on unions decline in the uh, medium income of folks. It, I mean, it's it's gone down, but unions have been resilient. So we found ways mm-hmm. to fight back, ways to engage, ways to be more involved. Uh, so I would say that the landscape became much more difficult for unions to organize, but people are resilient and determined. And Workers want to have a voice and finding ways to do it. And unions got, became more creative, right? How do they approach it? How do they educate people about it? Yes, amplifying the voice of the people, having that voice speaking out for you and your best interests. And I kind of want to pivot that to something very similar, uh, moving into the political sphere. And you can kind of say they're related, uh, working with the people and the community and also like politics coming together. How did that come together for you when you started working with Ron Dellums? Oh my God, that's kind of funny. <laughs> we were at the time at at my union, SEIU, Local 790, 
I was working as a political coordinator in the area that I had was the East Bay. And so, of course, Oakland being one of the largest city in the East Bay where our union was uh, representing workers. We had um, been involved and engaged around looking at Oakland City Council and how the city council in a a city so progressive um, as being close to Berkeley and Oakland being a city of um, working class folks with grit, if you will, right? And how that city council had been taken over by a more conservative um, council member. And he had a vision of running for mayor. And we knew that if he became mayor, he were already had his eyes on uh, beating down the workers who worked for him. And the funny part was he was a former union leader. Um, and so it, it was really a challenge. And he was an incumbent. Uh, so but Folks became more involved and engaged, and, and I think it was Kitty Epstein and some folks who and uh, were at a dinner one night, and they were talking about who might we get to run against this uh, council member in Oakland. And so they started this chant, Run, Dellums Run. And so it started a petition. Uh, myself, Katie Nunez Adler, my partner, we became more involved, and we started having planning meetings on like seven in the morning at this at this um, particular place in Oakland. I call it our meetup place. And folks just got excited. We became 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Early morning at the Breakfast Club. We said we were that dedicated. 7 a.m. 7 a.m. to like 7.30 and then people would go to work. And then we started pushing it back like 6.30 to 7.45 or whatever. That's how dedicated we were. Uh, and we were determined to recruit Ron Dellums to give us a shot at winning the mayor's office. And so that took off. It um, created a lot of opportunity for us to make a difference. so much experience in leadership and coordinating and bringing people together you know how are you using these gifts and processes to work more locally with the people uh that's a good question um one of the other ways in which you know um i've been involved in terms of you know trying to make a difference in the social economic justice uh is through an organization I'm a part of called, uh, formerly called Oakland Community Organization, now is known as Faith and Action East Bay. Uh, and their mission is is very similar to a union. It's, their mission is those folks who are impacted by decisions in their community should have a voice and they have principles around how they do their organizing. And it's faith-based, right? Spirit-based, faith-based. Uh, and so I was moved by that growing up in Mississippi, Baptist background as my foundation spiritually, right? So they have opportunities to be involved in what they call issue tables. And the one that I was most attracted to was education. Um, Because of my reading and studying, I know that um, education creates an opportunity for folks to have upward mobility or not, uh, to be uh, free thinking, critical individuals or not, right? Um, And so a solid foundation, opportunities for folks to uh, be able to make a difference in their life is based upon whether or not they get a high quality education. 
they have an opportunity to see the world in different ways. And so that piqued my interest because I knew um, growing up in the South that my education, I didn't think was super um, uh, excellent, if you will. Right. I learned about opportunities um, through Upward Bound and things like that. And so the connecting with the local community around education became attractive to me. And so that's why I spent a lot of energy trying to engage Oakland Unified School District, particularly around Black students, uh, Latinx students, low-income students of color. Um, and how do you, how do you um, engage the parents so that the parents are part of the team of creating that, that um, circle of love and support for students to engage and become the best they can be, if you will, right? And that's critical because if parents or some loved one in the family can show the value of education, what it means for folks down the road, uh, it makes a difference. So that that attracted me. Yes, definitely. Definitely the connection between parents and children and this next generation is critical. And, you know, you have such a passion for the community. You currently volunteer on the boards of both Healthy Black Families and A Journey to Success. Tell us more about that. Well, that's interesting. Um, So Healthy Black Families um, came out of Berkeley, California. Dr. Vicki, she was a public health director for, for the city of Berkeley for a long time. And my best friend named Louise Diaz worked for the city of Berkeley Health Department. And they were she was on the board of the advisory for uh, Healthy Black Families in Berkeley. And she called me up and she said, Andre, we are doing this community uh, engagement around Black uh, families. And so we would love to have you as part of our team and be on the board. Well, I figured if Louise is involved, then it must be all right. That's my best friend. So I trust her judgment. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so she recruited me. Uh, Dr. Vicki Alexander was a very passionate doctor public health doctor. Um, and so I became involved in the board and served on the board for I don't know, six years or so. Uh, and the idea behind that board was to create conditions so that black mothers uh, would have healthy babies. Uh, and when you look at the statistics, uh, the babies, the healthy babies and the, and the weight, how much the baby weighs is important and critical to, to their um, health. And so Black babies were being born at a lower birth rate, which has negative health outcomes later in their life. So that that attracted and intrigued me because I figured if the babies don't have a healthy start, then it's going to be a challenge going forward. And the mothers um, need to um, be supported. So I served on that board for about six years. And it was very informative education, learn about trauma, informed practices. What does it mean when the baby and the mother's going through trauma and the young, the outcome? Right. So that was very interesting. And then um, the other group that you mentioned was a journey to success. Another one of my best friends named Sandra Lewis and her partner, Danny Walker, um, they had a vision of basically connected to education also. But I didn't know it until um, about I think they were working on it for like a year or so. And then Sandra reached out to me and said, Andre, you know, I want you to come in and help us create this board. And our mission is dedicated to uh, education and tutoring and providing support psychologically. Danny was a coach for a basketball team 
Uh, and so he had a lot of young black boys in his group and, and Latinos where he would be mentoring and using basketball as a tool to attract them and then talk about, well, what do you want to do with your life? Right. Uh, so that was powerful and attractive. I'm still on that board. Um, I'm no longer on the Healthy Black Families Board. Um, I decided to move my time and energy to one that was connected to the tutoring and education. That one is still active, uh, and I still do uh, active work with them through fundraisers and things like that. So that ties into the advocacy for me for education and why it's so critical, super critical for um, Black families and and I mean, it's, education is, is, I can't say enough, it's critical. I'm not just talking about, you know, going to college. I'm talking about any way in which folks can expand, expand their mind, right? See yeah, opportunities, yeah. link-based learning, all of those things. And But parents often don't know about it because you have to have experience. And so that's why it's critical for folks to, like myself and others, to go out and reach out and talk about it. I'm really glad that you were able to speak on it today. Uh, so here's a fun question. Okay. Who are some people that shake your world? I think about, uh, I've Martin Luther King is like, to me, a um, powerful voice. And most people, you know, really like um, his oratorical skills. You know, the Southern Black preacher, leadership, um, et cetera. Um, and oftentimes what they don't get to uh, hear about is some of his more uh, critical thinking about class and race, right? Uh, income inequality, um, materialism, war, all of that. And so those speeches that he gave, oftentimes you don't hear it in the media You'll hear, I have a dream mostly, but you don't hear the other ones. So go back and listen to some of the interviews he did with KQED and some of the other places. You start to hear him talk about the uh, the merging of the civil rights struggle with the struggle for working class families and unions. I think ASME was one of the big unions that was supportive of the 63 March on Washington. Uh, and A. Philip Randolph, who's a labor leader, was part of organized along with Byron Rustin to organize around jobs and justice. So it wasn't just a dream. It was about how do we change America? And he said, this time around, rather than sitting at a lounge counter, et cetera, America needs to deal with the fact that we have a lot of poor folks, working class, white, black, you name it, who are falling behind. And how might we deal with that? And so the civil rights struggle around that particular question to me was attractive. So his ideas shaped my life. And then there was a book by... I think it's Eric Michael Dyson, which was Dr. King. Uh, might not get there with you. The other part of him that most people don't know about is a great read. Dr. Yeah. King is such an yes. inspiration to so many people. And I also think yeah. that the I have a dream speech is definitely overused right. <laughs> in our in the community. But at the same time, I feel like people should definitely do more to listen to his other speeches and speaking pieces. You know, there's another person um, is, um, you know, you see him on MSNBC as Dr. Barbara with the Poor People's March, right? Um, and his constant push um, for a unity platform around changing the economic conditions and social conditions of poor folks, right? People sometimes are afraid to advocate for the poor, but he's not. And I've never really 
had an opportunity to meet with him, but watching him on um, the news and seeing the things that he's been doing in Carolina, it's been incredibly powerful. His voice is powerful. Uh, and so to me, when you build a movement um, that can include all types of folks, you're in a better, you have a better chance of uh, building a powerful coalition because the things that we're experiencing, they're not happenstance. They've been plotted out and planned out. And the experiences that we have, somebody thought about it already. Uh, so there's groups of people, high powered folks who don't want to pay their taxes, right? Who want to maintain the strife because they don't want us to focus in on the question, which is why are people poor? That's the question. Not, oh, you're poor, but no, but why are people poor? Why aren't people getting ahead? Why are people's wages staying stagnant? And, and there's an answer that they don't want out there, which is because it's designed that way. The rich and powerful have created this design uh, and created distractions and fog to keep our eyes off the prize, which is, and we come together as organized working people. There's more of us than it is anything else, but people oftentimes don't see it. They get caught up in the distractions, the anti-gay, anti-black, all those, I call it the fog, uh, rather than, okay, so what's really happening with me and why can't I have a, um, a decent life without having to be um, worried? And, and, and healthcare is a major uh, consideration and most people get healthcare through work. So if you have high unemployment, people's health is in jeopardy. And so it's, it's by design. Our, my role and, and while I'm here is to undo the design. I'm really clear now. Undo the design. Yes. I like that. So what's one last thing that you want the people to know? I think it's, a, it's important for us to uh, step back and, and, and look and, and say to ourselves, you know, we are all part of the human race and we're all tied together. Uh, and so if we step back and we look and we say, well, what is happening in our community and what are some of the things that are happening? You come to the realization that there are policies and practices that are put together by elected officials. And so people tell folks all the time, oh, don't vote or your vote doesn't matter. They give you the, the rhetoric that your, your voice and your vote doesn't matter. And the reason why is the less people are resisting um, capitalism, if you will, unchecked capitalism the better it is for those at the top. And so when people pull back the blinds and start to look and see what are the conditions in their life, they start to see things differently. And when you start to develop some sort of critical uh, thinking, which education is built to do, proper education, if you will, then you start to see that, hey, we're better, we're, we're better off together than we are apart. Uh, and so if we can get past the fog and, and, and move past distractions, we can make America here, a better place for all. All folks deserve to have a great life, but that can't happen until we get past the fog. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andre. And for anyone who would like to know more about unionizing and the nonprofit organizations mentioned, we will have all the information in the caption and on our website. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been another episode of The Black Landscape with Andrea Spearman, where Black excellence is always trending. <laughs>